Hello, welcome to the Ticket Spreaders. We are Grassroots Midwest Weekly Podcast, or bi-weekly actually. We have a very special guest today, WWE superstar, Rhino. Well, thank you for having me, and what an introduction. Well, that's what I try. You know, I've watched enough wrestling over the last 30 years that I should have picked something up. Right, right. All we yeah. need is a bow tie for you. I mean, ring announcers back in the day used to wear them. Well, I wish I had the voice of Howard Finkel. Right, That right. guy has a great voice. Yes. Hell, yes. even the late, great Mean Gene. Yep. But I don't have a 900 number, so no. that's the thing. <laughs> Did you ever call the 900 numbers? No, my parents would have killed me. Yeah. And, I, and from what I was told, there's really nothing that he gave you as information. Uh-huh. It was just like... Just to grab to get your money right right but now it worked though well yeah he made someone a lot of money right right maybe just so you could hear a recording of his voice maybe thinking you'd actually get to talk to me right right but it didn't work like that but now with the internet we can get all know all the gossip we want exactly exactly there's too much gossip out there it certainly changed the viewing experience too right when uh you know i could actually believe that your real name was rhino and you were from like parts (laughs) unknown (laughs) when i heard uh hulk hogan's real name was in hulk hogan i was a little upset (laughs) as a kid oh yes and i never believed the rumors about ultimate warrior being dead and it was a replacement guy that came in it's funny you mentioned that um uh, Russ Gibb, he uh, was on the radio when the whole Paul McCartney is yeah. dead. And yeah. uh, I think it was in 69. And then the real Paul McCartney, similar with the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And uh, I think he just passed yesterday or something. He lived in Dearborn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, I watched an interview he gave explaining how a kid yeah. called in and how it just yeah. caught caught on like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. So there's something to clear up now. But, but then again, Warrior did change his name to Warrior. So, yes, legally, so you yes. can use it, yeah. Weird thing, so... But apparently, I guess, uh, Ultimate Warrior, I know we don't want to stay on certain subjects too long, but uh, um, I guess he had a lot of great ideas of his brand and all that back in the mid-90s and even before that, but yeah, he was he's definitely a thinker, so... Yeah, because I know he tried getting into commentary for a while and his... Pu- mm-hmm. And post- then comic books and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, he tried doing a lot of things, but yeah. he made pretty good money, and now with his licensing, yeah. He's doing right. all right. So. Right, right. Well, he's not doing all right, but his family's doing yeah, all yeah, right. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly, exactly. We know what you mean. Yeah. The wrestling fans know what you mean. So just man. give us a little background about yourself. Well, I uh, grew up in Dearborn Heights uh, in Dearborn. I, uh, you know, I watched wrestling as a kid, and actually I never really was able to tell Vince's story, but when I was a kid, I used to walk up, because I always was a morning person, even as a kid, you know? Oh, yeah. So I'd wake up, and I didn't want to sit around at the house, so I'd walk up to Kmart's, which was like four blocks away, and I'd go into the, the I'd grab one of those little slushies, and then I'd walk back to the TVs, and then I would turn all the TVs on to wrestling, because I figured each TV counted for one rating. So I'm like, I don't want the ratings to slip, then they'll get canceled, then what will I do with my childhood, you know, if there's no wrestling? So anyways, uh, um, so I would go up there and watch wrestling, and I was a real big fan, and anything and everything to do with wrestling, and, you know, I had a small uh, group of friends, and they were all into wrestling too, so. You know, and then you got into high school, and I think that was uh, 1989, uh, September of 89. I started my freshman year at Annapolis High School in Dearborn Heights, in South Dearborn Heights. And, uh, you know, kind of fell out of wrestling at that point, you know. Started noticing girls a little bit more, you know, like, (laughs) seems that age you start noticing girls. And, you know, I didn't have the courage to talk to them, you know. I was shy, but anyways, uh, yeah, and then I started wrestling for uh, the high school team, and I wrestled and played football 
for uh, four years for high school. So, but uh, then uh, my senior year, I started gaining interest again, and then you know working out and growing. Thought, well, maybe I should give this a shot, you know. And I started thinking about it then. How do you go about getting in the business? Because obviously, watch it on TV, and when you have your friends, you get into backyard wrestling. And I'm surprised I never crippled anyone because it looked real to us. Right. <laughs> I didn't realize you had to tuck your head or the right, fact that right. there was an actual way to take a bump. Because yeah, yeah you can't get in there right. and just toss a guy around right. or just expect to get landed and not like get a concussion or worse. Right. Right. Or crippled, but. You know, that's one thing I always say, you know, and stress, it's don't do it at home, kids. I mean, even though we would horse play and all that stuff, I won't go into details because it's kind of (laughs) like, do as I say, not as I did. (laughs) But yeah, I'll just say we horse played and, uh, you know, and there's a technique and even the ones that have proper training. Yeah. Um, they still get hurt, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you know we were very lucky yeah. when we were kids to escape without any major injuries. Yeah, so do you have like a wrestling school that you went to, or yeah. somewhere around in the area? Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I started kicking around the idea, it was my senior year, and uh, there was a guy at the gas station that he uh, was talking about um, going to Al Snow's, or he did go to Al Snow's school. And then just kind of put out feelers. And, and then uh, a guy by the name of Briar Wellington, well, that's what he wrestles as. He went to the same school. He was a few years younger than I was. Uh, he was a big wrestling fan. And then he learned about uh, the Can-Am Wrestling School. That's in Windsor. So he gave me a business card. Or actually, he, he told me when uh, Gary Warnchuk was yeah. running the show, um, Taylor, Michigan. So I went there and Preacher gave me a business card for the uh, Can-Am Pro Wrestling School. So I called Mickey Doyle up. Uh, we set up a date, went over there, yeah. and checked it out, and I knew it was something I wanted to do. Then it's just you're doing kind of the local shows, really, because mm-hmm. you made it to the big time. So it's just kind of like process of doing these smaller promotions and getting noticed by, like, your ECWs, or didn't you have Terry Richards just kind of a brief one-off on something no. that he... Oh, yeah, yeah. There, well, after, uh, after training... For I, I I trained for about two and a half years, but I started I had my first match six months after I started training. Um, that was March tenth of nineteen ninety five, and then my trainer Scott Demore he got me booked for like to go down and do jobs. They're called enhancement talent now uh, for WCW and then NWA. Okay. I'm not I'm sorry, not NWA uh, WWF back then. You know, it was a good experience. You know, yeah. you see how things operate and. You know, you kind of it kind of motivates you where you want to get to, and seeing some of the stars that that you looked up to as a kid, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I'll never forget it was uh, in Dayton, Ohio. I was supposed to rest. It was a pay per view, and Hogan was supposed to just walk down the aisle, you know. And uh, it was Macho Man, Ric Flair in the main event. Macho Man's dad was in his corner. So, long story short, they go, "This is the first time I've ever seen Hulk Hogan," and I'm like, "Oh my God, that's Hulk Hogan!" And I'm 19 at the time, and my uh, my trainer said, whatever you do, don't mark out. Don't ask for autographs. Just, you know, listen. If you, they need you to do something, do it to the best of your ability. You know, you're very capable of doing what they ask you to do or what they would ask you to do. So, anyways, uh, Hogan grabs a beer. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, there's no train, say your prayers, and eat your writers. There's no alcohol involved in these things, right? And even though, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of hip to the game, uh, that 
that child within was going, wait a second, Hulk Hogan does not drink beer, you know? So I go, so I started making excuses for myself. And we're in the back and all he, he didn't have to wrestle. All he had to do was walk down the aisle during the main event and he gets pushed back and all that. And then he grabbed another beer. So I, I started making more excuses. I, every time I see him, I forget to tell him the story, but so anyway, and he could see in, that I was staring at him, you know, and he, he kind of knew the gimmick, you know, so, you know, a new, new kid, you know, was watching him as a kid, you know, and blah, blah. So, so then I, I made another excuse and then, you know, and then he grabbed another one after the sixth beer. And I think that's all he had. And, you know, it was over the course of several hours, I was by the monitor and his locker room was over there. So I could see, you know, it, and after the sixth beer, I just quit making excuses. I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like we all watched on TV yeah. and we all believed it was real, especially when right. we were younger. It's kind right. of like you'd think that these were like how they are in real life. Exactly. Now, I've heard some of these top guys are pretty similar. Uh-huh. Um, you watch documentaries where Ric Flair basically lives the Ric Flair persona. Yeah, yeah, I've... Uh... I've been on a tour with him overseas, and yeah, he's on the buses and stuff, and yeah, he's Ric Flair, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't get the robe um, with nothing. the plane ride from hell? No, 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 I wasn't on that one. I was actually, that was after my neck surgery, but uh, yeah, apparently he would wear his robe around and only his robe. You know, so maybe it was hotel rooms or whatever. I don't know, I've heard heard, heard the stories. (laughs) yeah. You don't know what's real or what's, you know, yeah. made up or if the story just kind of grew wings and yeah. flew into another. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's very different now, especially the Internet and social media where there's just kind of that blurred line, mm-hmm. which I like. I'm all about kayfabe. Right, right. But it, it's it, it's hard. You know, you, yeah. you try to use social media as a tool to kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, work on your character and you know because yeah. i think of a lot of fans i think we've discussed this before like to um they like to be worked they want to be entertained yeah. they want they want their hulk hogan's to say their prayers eat their vitamins and and that's how they they want it and they don't want to know you know as a kid i didn't want to know hulk hogan had a family yeah. you know because he was a normal person my idea of hulk hogan was fighting the bad guys 24 7 oh yeah know? right there too just because Growing up at that time, where Ultimate Warrior, the idea that being a real person, or the Undertaker, <laughs> for that matter, I want Ultimate Warrior from parts unknown, yes. which I think they found. It's yes. an island someplace oh, in and, the Pacific. Well, Undertakers originally from Death Valley. Okay, okay. But, or at one point, you know, it it changes, it fluctuates. But yeah, yeah well, when the, he was an American badass, where yeah. was he from? Death Valley, still probably. Okay, yeah, we'll have to go back and look it up. Yeah during the badass phase <laughs> but yeah i i met you when you were running for office so, yeah, yeah so kind of what was your motivation to, why did you want to run for office well i really you know to help people out i always uh i like to you know like kind of stay involved in the community i think it's very important and as you grow as a person and, and the years pass you realize the importance of being involved in your community you know, especially with wrestling, it's given me such a platform, not only to be a role model, but to have a, a voice that sometimes is, you know, easier heard, yeah. you know, without having to raise your voice and make a big scene. Um, so, you know, and your passion just to take the tools that you've earned or gained over the years, um, 
whether it's how to get stuff done, how to get people on board to get things done. And that's the, the biggest thing. And wrestling has been such a great tool for me to use in, in the, the success in wrestling, you know, because everybody, you know, and that's one thing I've heard, you know, either they watched it and a lot of times their grandparents would get them into it because their grandparents were fans or they knew someone that was a big wrestling fan. Their kids are big wrestling fans or their, their grandparents would always watch it when they'd go over there. Yeah. Even though they never, there's some sort of tie to whether it's WWE, WCW, or back when there was territorial days, um, big time wrestling. Yeah. So there's, there's that connection. And that's what I tried to explain when I was running to a lot of the voters is that's my end to talk to other people, yeah. to get them on board and try to plant a seed of the, the whatever the situation was that yeah. we needed to tackle, you know, and then come back. So, you know, and, and that's the way the wrestling business has helped yeah. a lot of people out is learn how to deal with certain things, get people on board or, or gain their attention, you know? So, Oh yeah. That's a lot if of that it. makes sense. Well, yeah, I, I get it. Where, yeah, people get you into it, and it's just kind of creating sort of the story, too, because mm-hmm. in wrestling, where you got to kind of get yourself over. Right, right. And it's a lot of the same way in politics, too, yeah. is that you start off, you're trying to run and get attention, because mm-hmm. lots of people run, but it's what makes you stand out. Right. And just kind of having that kind of go about. But yeah. And so, plus, it, it, it wrestling helps you uh, speak in front of a crowd. Uh, learn how to get a message across. Yeah. You know, you try to get it across, and you know this, with the least amount of words as possible. And you want to talk, and one thing I learned in sales is you want to mirror the person you're, you know, trying to sell something to. It, there it was a, a, a membership, yeah. you know, in politics. And when you're running, you got to, you know, you got to learn how to sell them on your ideas and, and how you're going to get them accomplished. Yeah, yeah it's different because... In the earlier iteration of your career as the man beast, you didn't really mm. talk that much. No, no. <laughs> just because, angry grunts. <laughs> right. Well, that was, uh, you know, for the listeners, it, um, that was in ECW. And there, Paul was Paul was really good on developing new talent. He knew I never spoke before. He knew I was just focused on my wrestling ability. And I was overseas wrestling, too, so in Germany. So that's why he would kind of just let me say certain things. And he put me with Carino, which was a, uh, he was, Carino was a good talker. Yeah. You know, Carino lacked size. So that's why I was his muscle, you know, and I would just throw in things here and there verbally. Yeah. So just enough to get the point that you're going to destroy break someone, someone. Yeah, right. destroy someone yeah, <laughs> or you're break like, something. Yeah, you were the heater. Right. Come right in, exactly. And the, heater. the smaller guy would go cause trouble. And <laughs> right. then you'd be like the big guy standing in the back. Right. Right. You know, you'd hit him, <laughs> knock him out. Yeah. And you need like the big monsters too. to yeah. come in just to intimidate the little guys. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it almost parallels real life. Exactly. It, you know, where, yeah, you can talk real tough if you got like, you know, your boys behind you. <laughs> you might be a little guy, but if you got a large man behind you, all of a sudden it's like, oh, don't want to make that guy mad. Exactly. Don't want to have to deal with him. Right. Right. But overall, what was kind of the experience of running for office? Just... It was a great experience. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. You know, just didn't have that much. See, my, my issue with, with uh, running is... My whole life, my father told me, he goes, if you want to eat, you have to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. And I've never really asked for any help, you know, along the way, because I've always kind of 
been that guy to go out there and work. To ask people for money, raising money was difficult for me yeah. because I would rather knock on doors, you know, and you have to fundraise. You just have yeah. to. You know that and yeah. the importance of it. I I spent a lot of money, personal money, probably about thirty thirty five thousand 35000 of my own money in my savings. <laughs> my savings, I just watched dwindle away. Yeah. But it's something I believed in. And, and you know, it's it, do I regret it? No. But it was one of those things where it was like, I'd rather, okay, we need door hangers. Let's order some door hangers. Let's develop door hangers, you know. And, and uh, the wording and everything, you know, is myself and, and Marty, she uh, she was kind of running the campaign. But we both, you know, we're learning as we went along. And we both kind of figured out what would go on the mailers, the, the door hangers. And we'd get an idea and we'd just try to put our message on there. And I think it went really well as far yeah. as, uh, you know, we won the primary and then lost the general. Yeah. But, you know, it knocked on probably 14,000 doors. Well, wasn't the night of the primary you were like in Scotland or something? No. Or was oh, that the general? That was the general, yeah. They yeah. needed me over there and it yeah. was like I had people working and stuff. and Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, it's the, the polls weren't looking that good. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the road schedule because that's one of yeah. the toughest things I think about being the wrestler is how much you're on the road. Yeah, I love being on the road. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I can only stay in a hotel so many nights, but the idea that you're like four or five days a week. Yeah, it doesn't so, bother me. So in a lot of ways, that prepares you just sort of for the for pressure. Because I always look at campaigns as like physically and mentally as one of the hardest things you can do. So or run a campaign or, just, or be on the be road. a candidate just because of how much effort you're putting into the mm -hmm. race and right. how hard you're working. So the idea that you're used to pretty much working long hours and yeah. being away from home kind oh, of yeah, prepares yeah. you in a way. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That's one thing. I was uh I, they were just having me at TV, but I would come home and I would just start knocking on doors, you know, trying to get my message across and it was, it's one of those things trying to you know and then try to do the business end of it too because yeah. i kind of look at you know running a campaign as a business i yeah. mean it's just it is and uh you know you gotta account for all the money you know you got all these yeah. obstacles and you know the the nice thing about running in dearborn the doors you know the houses are so close together yeah you know, it's just like knock on a door and you know the next one might skip one or two because they're not on your sheet, but just uh, you could cover a lot of ground in, in a day. Well, that's definitely a positive compared to like some races, at least in this area, where, yeah, you're driving like a quarter mile to a house yeah. or something. <laughs> those are the houses you got to hit. Those are, those yeah. are yeah. because in a neighborhood, a lot of people are just, because so many people are knocking doors, and especially mm -hmm. in Southeast Michigan, you got like all these like paid door hangers that go around, you know, putting lawn service stuff on yeah. your door. Right. They're like, oh my God. And then when they see a large man at their door, you know, some of these old ladies might get scared. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. Oh my God. He's so big. Well, you know, and, and I'll tell you, running, if, if you got an opportunity to help someone, and I had a lot of volunteers and stuff, and help someone that's running, help them knock on doors or, or whatever it is, if you can volunteer, it's really, it's a great experience because you become closer to your community and knocking on doors. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I realize in Dearborn there's a lot of steps. Obviously, I, there are more porches than what I yeah. what I figured. And I thought it bought my house in Dearborn in 2001. I thought, oh, it, the house had a red door. I'm like, oh, that's kind of unique. You know, I, I really like it. I'll keep it. So when I was knocking on doors, I realized there's a lot of steps. 
and a lot of red doors. And in Dearborn, there's a lot of dogs. So I didn't get bit by a dog, thank God. Almost. If you want steps, the hardest I've been to is like Escanaba, where you got like six feet of steps that you're walking up to, and both and six directions feet of snow. Yeah, well, every direction's uphill. Yeah, yeah. But at least you got relatively flat. Right, but, right. But yeah, dogs. You gotta be careful. I've met a few people that have been bit by dogs. Yeah, I. You know what? I love Escanaba. Yeah. I've wrestled up there quite a few times. It's yeah. nice up there. Oh, actually, a trick. I know some people do with dogs. They carry some milk bones with them. So yep. that, you yeah. know, there you go. Yeah. You know, and, and you learn the little tricks here and there. And one thing I learned is you never want to debate someone on the door. It's just, it's one of those things that nobody wins. Yeah. And you find something you agree with and then just go from there. There's a couple of people, you know, I'm looking at my sheet and it was wrong. And, oh, they, they were giving me a tongue lashing because uh, I ran under the Republican ticket and I identify more as a Republican. And me personally, I'm a very conservative, but I think, you, you know, you have to kind of be in the middle when you're. Uh, working for the people yeah and, and compromise but uh it's funny he was just giving me a tongue lashing he wasn't cursing at me because i'm very big into recycling you know it doesn't hurt to go green but i don't think we should spend all of our green trying to get there so he was very uh uh something about recycling came up and i uh, i go well here just Take my uh, walking card and look it over. I know you're not, I know who you're going to vote for and everything, but just give it a glance. And because he actually went to hand it back to me and I go, no, 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 keep it. I go, just take a look at it and hey, recycle it or something like that. And he, he laughed and uh, he kind of, he kind of realized that, you know, okay, maybe I shouldn't have came at him that hard. And uh, it was at the end of it, it was very enjoyable. So because we both got a laugh and, you know, I went on my way. Yeah. He probably didn't even look at it. <laughs> probably not. Most people just go glance at, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah. It's, that's generally how it goes. Would you run for office again? Maybe not. Um, a lot of people uh, have asked me, you know, I like you, I think you were about to say maybe not as a state rep. Uh, you know, it's very nice to be involved. Um, what happened after the election, when I was knocking on doors, there's a, it's called uh, the Ford Homes in Dearborn, they're over 100 years old, and beautiful homes, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, obviously, you have to stay in your district, and, you know, because I was, I was running to win, you know, I wasn't running to, oh, you know, some people say, oh, it's a publicity stunt, it's like, I'm not spending all this money and knocking on all these doors for publicity, I would have just said a few things, and maybe put out a mailer or two, and that's it, but um, I invested a lot of time, money, and, and energy, uh, mentally and physically into this. And I was looking at these homes and I'm like, wow, there's some nice homes over here and the beauty of them. And I, I, I knew, you know, I've been through that area of Dearborn several times. So I, I knew the homes, but for some reason I'm like, wow, I could probably, that got me the idea of maybe moving over there. So after I lost the election, it was probably about a year and that idea of moving just for kind of a fresh start. So I ended up selling my house last year about this time and ended up living on my boat for the days that I was home. And then I ended up in Monroe. So when I got down there, people were like, oh, you ever think about running again? And I don't know, maybe the opportunities there definitely uh, I'll help people if they're running. 
you know, and I agree with them just to be coming closer in the community, but yeah, you, you never like, know. You could be the star of their fundraiser. There it is. Because sometimes there you need the heater again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the, the and I, I could put a little message together yeah. and, and do the standard photos, yeah. autographs. I've been waiting for you to call me to be, uh, <laughs> you know, some star of the fundraisers and stuff. And I offer it. I enjoy, you know, if, if especially if I agree with a lot of uh, with their policies or their ideas, I would really like to help them out. The politics of wrestling are I always used too, because I think a lot of times where you have people and they have their gimmick, mm-hmm. they're kind of presenting themselves as like do-gooder or, you know, passionate about something or public safety or whatever that issue is. Right. So it's not quite big boss man style. But, right. <laughs> but, it, but it's something like that where you're just trying to kind of create the character because, and there's a whole process into character development so it's just a matter of kind of finding your issue and just kind of going from there right right and that's that's maybe uh um maybe something that i was missing you know believe it or not the wrestler (laughs) didn't really you know uh focus on his character um during the campaign but at the end of the day i learned a lot you really appreciate the people that do like anything, you know, in any job that go after something and and work their fingers to the bone on it. Yeah. It was, it was definitely awesome. And maybe, you know, if I do run more of a character, you know, as far as myself, you know, because the last thing I want to do is lie to the people that I'm asking for their support and the people that just come out, there was such a great feeling when people go, Hey man, I voted for you. You know, and it's just like, wow, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's, I believe a vote is so important, yeah. you know, and a lot of people do. So it was just, it was so nice then to hear that. Oh, yeah. Just then getting the gimmick over too, just because, right, you right. know, you got to have your catchphrases or your lines because yep. your slogans, because yep. that's always things like, I was well, important. Yeah. Because I'm all about the go home line too. Yep. yep. You know, obviously you know, it's not quite, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so, or do you smell what I'm cooking? Right. But or, yeah, you got to have something where right. it just kind of illustrates the point that you're kind of making, kind of sell that home. Exactly. Or, you know, you're kind of selling it. It's just, and it's all part of working your program to do exactly. your campaign. And you know what, if I wasn't in wrestling, I would have never done uh, as well as I did, just because it, all those points you made, yeah. I was able to use on the campaign trail. Yeah, because your door speech, as we call it, like two minute, is basically your promo mm-hmm. where you're cutting in. Well, one thing I like to play for people, just kind of get the point across, is the hard times promo. Mm-hmm. You know, Dusty Rhodes, yeah, right? Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. The hard times. Wined and dined with kings and queens or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and slept in alleys and ate pork and beans or right, something right. like that. Yeah, but it was always like hard times. Yeah. Yeah, which is always a really good one. It's just kind of having that promo you can go to and just, you know, two minutes, get your point across. Maybe yeah. not like some of the 10, 20 minute rambling promos you hear now. Right, right. But yeah, it's like <laughs> on Saturday Superstars, you know, where you'd see Hogan get out there, you know, cut his line, very to the point, you know, here's the problem, here's how I'm going to take care of it, and when. Right. Election Day. Instead of WrestleMania, you're saying Election Day. Right. That's what, you know, right. we're having our main event. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I need more of that in my, I need, yeah. if I could afford you, I'd hire you. <laughs> but now, have you ever tried to explain when you're running a campaign to the candidate, okay, well, it'd be more like a wrestler and in, in this, and they've never watched wrestling, they have no clue on what you're talking yeah. about, or do you try to, like, catchphrases, points? Well, 
I think that you can just kind of get off in a more sort of general approach, you know, okay. just kind of like, here's your speech and the way you're trying to, here's the problem, here's what you're going to do about it. But and do, when you, you're do gonna, you ever try to explain to them, be more like a wrestler? <laughs> well, not quite, because not sometimes quite like that's that. over-animated. Okay, they're they're grabbing steel chairs and, no, no, not that way. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes where you're just kind of yelling, or yeah. you might go way off on tangents, like, right. Randy, like Randy Savage stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That be great. <laughs> or or even like Ultimate Warrior had some very sort of out there promos. Right. Oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, just kind of all the basic points of Dusty or whatever. Well, you obviously you've met Dusty. Did he ever give you any pointers? Oh, yeah. It was funny because um, I, when I went back to the WWE, I was working with the NXT and, uh, and Dusty was down there. And I forgot when they cut promos in the ring, don't look at the hard camera. And in TNA, which I was there for like seven years before, when you're in the ring cutting a promo, you look at the hard camera. Um, or he said, don't look into the camera. But yeah, I would uh, like the, the camera, the cameraman that stands on the ring apron. I, I looked right into the camera and just, you know, cut a promo. And and <laughs> he's like, I forgot to tell you, we don't look in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, yeah, because obviously you were around a lot of great promo guys. Right. I right. was able to get across, and of course, Ric Flair. Right. Oh, it was a great promo that I did in NXT and in the ring. But, uh, like, the hard camera you can address, but, um, but uh, yeah, not the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of the thing where also where you just look at the parallels because you know i look at the trump campaign because he had that great go home line of make america great again right right and i've been to a lot of wrestling shows and I've, I've watched these rallies on tv it's very similar to some of the shows that i've been to right right where you get people engaged yeah. and involved because yeah. you know that's what you'd see with a good show is just like people just chanting because when you're involved like uh the president's campaign when you're involved in stuff, you know, like with the Make America Great, and then, you know, you see the t-shirts, the hats, yeah. or, um, you know, the chants, um, USA and all that stuff. Yeah. When you're involved, like, if you're at a concert and you're not connected and plugged in, you're you're not going to want to be there. Well, you know, a wrestling show, yeah. whatever it is. Um, you know, so, and if you're at a, a rally and you're engaged and involved, then, yeah. you know, then then you're going to be like, wow, that was a lot of energy. Yeah. And then you're going to tell your friends about it and, you know, get yeah. people on board. And all That's that. what I really love about the NXT shows, too, because everyone is so engaged yep. and so much chanting. It's like probably some of the loudest chanting that, you know, I've heard. And, you know, it's just where you're that involved. But right. also, the one thing the president had that a lot of folks, well, Everyone has like T-shirts, but I could really define his stuff as merch, right? So, you know, like because of those hats. Because whenever like a wrestler was rolling out a new shirt, he'd wear it in the ring mm -hmm. because they're right. trying to sell it. Because, right? You know that's also part of the revenue stream. And that's exactly. A WWE. <laughs> so they'd come out there and have their shirt that said like Austin three sixteen or whatever. That they'd be wearing it, trying to promote it. And here's the president with his hat that says "Make America Great." Again. Right. Right. So. Well, and of course, you know, he has his connection. He is a WWE Hall of Famer after Yes, all. he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. A WWE Hall of Famer <laughs> in the White House. I know. It, it, it's, it's, all, it's all surreal, really. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? I, I talk to a lot of people, you know, and, and the thing is, is the way he delivers a message, and this is, goes back to sales at the gym, you have to mirror people. Yeah. He talks how people talk in the diner on the corner. Yeah. You know, like you and I may be businessmen, yeah. 
but there's a certain way we talk women the way they're talking at home with their husbands it's like they might not talk like that in a professional setting at work because you know like using the f word or and not saying that the president did or does but like they'll talk in a way where it's like oh i'm tired of this and tired of that and it's like and that's you know like he would talk how you and i would talk yeah. at a diner oh yeah it's like a computer took your job daddy right from hard times <laughs> right and and here's the thing you know i i think americans and you know have been so sick and tired of these politicians that come out and they put on such a a, a face of oh i'm pure and i'm innocent when the the average voter is like everybody makes mistakes i've made a lot of mistakes in my past i've learned from them yeah. you know and i try to avoid making mistakes and i've tried to learn from others am i perfect i'm far from it am i a workaholic yes am i you know honest yes um am i uh um Sometimes going to do things that might be unpopular, but it's the right thing to do. Um, yes. Will I make mistakes? Yes. You know, but a lot of, you know, uh, Trump was just like, ah, what we see is what we get. You know, a lot of politicians yeah. try to put on that 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 face is like, oh, I'm all these things. And they're yeah. really not, you know. Well, so Well, yeah, because everyone tries to play the traditional baby face. Exactly. Yeah, where they, they go out there, you know, pure and all sorts of, you know, good, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Like Hulk stuff. Hogan, and then he's yeah. drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crushing so, my so child, trying to do the that, inner and child. And then the other person's, you know, trying to cast the other as the heel, the traditional yeah. villain. Yeah. But I think one thing that we've seen arise, especially in the last 20 years, is the anti-hero. Mm -hmm. Because, like, where you look at, like, True. your stone-cold Steve Austin, you know, who was taken as boss, chugging beers. But, right. you know, trying to do the right thing. Even The Rock, where you could hardly... They weren't the traditional face-heel archetypes because even when they were supposed to be heels, mm -hmm. you know, they were still pretty much the same way where they were trash-talking, you know, and saying it like it is. Right, Kind right. of, you know, channeling to that collective anger or mm -hmm. collective frustration is where you're seeing, like, the anti-hero, I guess. And that, as opposed to the traditional face-heel, but... I don't know if the average fan goes for the traditional face because, you know, as we were growing up, no one would cheer for the heel. You know, right. Ric Flair would... Well, Rick there was a, a small group that yeah. would cheer. <laughs> well, obviously you cheered like, for the heel as oh, a kid, did you? Or no. I, now I, you well, do. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Well, also, I appreciate the greatness of Mr. Perfect or Rick Rude. Exactly. You know, Rick Rude, all you fat, out-of-shape sweat hogs, or whatever, <laughs> throw in whatever city. And you realize, wow, he was really good at what he did. I appreciate him, but I hated him so much. <laughs> right, Like, right. Rick the Model Martellus. Why can't that guy just lose already? Right. I hate that guy. But I appreciate him now. Right, right. So, there, so there's something about that. Right. <laughs> I think uh, the reason why we appreciate talents like that, um, you know, like the Rick Roods, the Mr. Perfects, they were heels back in the day for some of your listeners that aren't too familiar um, with wrestling. But um, because the Internet has allowed us to realize more behind the scenes with wrestling, you, you want to be worked. But then again, you want to understand, you know, what's going on in their real lives. And then, you you know, the I think the Internet and kind of breaking, uh, well, breaking like the whole kayfabe thing allows you to really realize like, you know, wow, this guy was a really good dude. This guy was a really good wrestler. Oh, this guy was a family man. Even though we don't want to, we kind of want to. But then again, it's like you, you if you do, you, you kind of yeah. kind of appreciate the, yeah. the their talent and 
them as a human being more. I just kind of focused on the character because you felt something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, where you could just go in there and just boo, yeah, you know, yeah. be angry. But now you go to things and, <laughs> and everyone's cheering both people. They're right. Like, like when I was at LSL, Shane O'Mac, Shane O'Mac. Kevin, oh, it's, it's like right. going back and forth. Right. It's like, all right, pick a side, people. Right. You know, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? But, you know, and also I don't think people hijack, you know, anymore, you know, where it's like, you deserve it. Right. You know, or the crowd tries to make themselves about, you know, the show now. Right, right. Maybe they're playing for the cameras, too. I'll tell you, some of the chants back in the day, you know, during the Attitude Era and uh, when I was in ECW, <laughs> if there was a good-looking girl... With uh, um, that purchase something on her, uh, <laughs> uh, below her shoulders, above her belly button, and they would they would chant, "Show us your." <laughs> yeah, I won't. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll be very. Yeah, ECW was obviously <laughs> they really lived up to the moniker of extreme. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Even at the women, uh, the valets like Francine and and Beulah and all all the. All the valets, Don Marie, they would chant that, too. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because there was a passionate crowd because, yeah, you'd right. watch the poorly produced, like, syndicated show. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you just kind of feel the energy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, <laughs> obviously, I wouldn't want to go to those shows because, frankly, some of the folks like Sandman scared me. <laughs> oh, he scared me, and I wrestled them for six months straight. <laughs> Because you never knew what you were going to get. One time he showed up, he goes, oh, I just woke up. I haven't had anything to drink. Hopefully I get a buzz on my way to the ring. Because Sandman would drink beer. And uh, I I go like this. I go, wow. It's the first time I've ever seen him sober. It's the first (laughs) time I'm ever going to wrestle him sober. This might be hard. (laughs) Wrestle him drunk. It was fine, you know. But sober. Oh, but he did get a uh, he he uh it was funny he had like 12 beers in his pockets he had those pants yeah. with all the pockets and it was in Gary Indiana and actually that was the first time I beat him and uh uh it was funny cuz he ran out of beer he'd pour a lot in you know people's mouth and stuff <laughs> and, and uh and then he would drink a few and he he did get a buzz by the time he got a cigarette on the way to the Oh way. yeah his music sometimes had to play and it was uh Inner Sandman, right? By yeah, I, I think so. I don't and know how they got around the copyright issue. But. I don't think they did. <laughs> <laughs> they just did it until they get letters and stuff. But yeah, it was funny. It was that the attitude back then was uh, if you passed a drug test, you were fired, and <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, you asked for forgiveness and permission. Yeah, so so yeah, it was wild days. <laughs> just you know. Right. crazy stories on the road right but you know obviously you're branching out from wrestling now because you just opened a marina yeah i actually uh bought a marina um changed the name and it's in monroe and i never thought i'd own a marina but when i was living on my boat and you know and i'm i believe in god and i you know like the whole um if i didn't sell my house and live on the boat uh last summer um i would have thought okay could I be around a marina twenty four seven? Yeah, you know, could I, is is it something I'm even though I love boating, you know, owning a business, am I going to get tired of being at this place all the time? And you yeah. know, like campaigns, like I said, just like running a business, yeah. long hours. Yeah, you know, especially right now, where you're trying to get ready for the boating season, ready for the boating season, then you know, just 
Uh, I'm doing my own bookings after July 17th. Um, so working with promoters, you know, across the country and world and, you know, trying to get everything established, trying to, you know, um, get my merchandise back together and, you know, as far as all that stuff. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's very time consuming. I was supposed to be up here an hour and a half ago and, you know, my doc posts were uh, floating away and I had to restrap those down. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely a lot of work. Um, but you know, if, if being down at the Marina last year and, and living on my boat when I wasn't on the road, I really enjoyed it. It was like, it was just a, such a, a calming place. And then I, I talked to the owner of Gibraltar Boatyard, Jack, and then we got talking and that's how I, I just Googled marinas for sale. And this one was, uh, it's in Monroe, Michigan, probably about 15 minutes from Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I went and looked at it. I, I looked at business loans and all that stuff and everything went through. And, you know, I, I, I gave it a, you know, it's something I didn't just jump into, gave it a lot of thought, but been uh, redoing that. And there's a house on the property and redoing that. And, you know, just a lot of work, and a lot of money and a lot of time. So, yeah. so what's the name of, it, of the boatyard for people listening? Big Daddy's Boatyard. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a web address people go to if they're interested? It's like uh yeah, you can getting just a, oh getting a, a dock uh, yeah, for the summer. Yeah, if they want to be on Lake Erie, right? Yeah. The walleye fishing's great. Oh, if it's awesome. Yeah. A lot of charters. Uh you you could go on the Facebook page. It's uh Big Daddy's Boatyard. Um you can like that. You can message me. I have a lady running my social media. She's very good. She gets back to me right away. We all the improvements we try to post and all that stuff so but uh yeah it's it's looking really good and, you know it was a family um inheritance and they uh um they just didn't have time for it because they had other businesses of their own and it was one of the things the mother would just pay the bills and and uh she was 92 and when she passed and that was like three years ago so uh the brothers um two brothers and two sisters they decided to put it up for sale. So there's a nice restaurant right across the street. It's in Bulls Harbor. So uh, you have uh, the marina across the street. They're more rack store. Um, they've been helping me out. Everybody's been very welcoming. And the cool thing about it is, is in the boating community, they don't look at you as competition because if you do well, they do well. And if they do well, you do well. So it's 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 really good. And plus, it, the cool thing is it's Monroe Township, but everything's five minutes away if you need a kroger uh there's two gyms close by there's a movie theater and that's what i really like about that area so and of course if you're going fishing there's a bait shop like the nearby oh yeah bait shop ice you name it there's a party store actually good thing i quit drinking 10 years ago because you got a restaurant right across the street um i have a, a party store that the the guy is really nice. He cooks pizza up there too. He's got a pizza oven. Everything's great, and he's got this uh, liquor rack. You know, as high as it goes all the way up to the ceiling, and it's the whole side of one store. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, if I was still drinking, I'd be in a lot of trouble <laughs> in this marina. <laughs> yeah. So everything's that. Those are walking yeah. distance too. So. So you got any more stories you wanted to share? Oh uh, well, um, no, not really. As far as uh, you know, uh, yeah. I. 
I don't want to get anybody in trouble right now. <laughs> well, yeah. No one wants to get anyone in trouble. Right, right. But I appreciate you coming out. Well, being thank a guest you for on having the po- me. podcast. Yeah. And I think this is going to be the most, you know, listened to in the history of our sport to kind of steal that line from Tony Schiavone. Nice, nice. And that's another yeah. thing. Uh, Tony Schiavone, man, he's uh, he's uh, announcing baseball now. Yeah. Did you know yeah, that? I, yeah, I saw that. What a great voice. Yeah. It's such a great he's voice. He's definitely one of my top five. Yeah. Who are your top five announcers? Well, uh, JR. Um, Monsoon, well, Vince, of course. Right, right. Uh, Shivani, um, well, Mario Ronaldo, who's on NXT right now. Yep. And yeah. an honorable mention for Joey Styles. Right, right. Yeah. What, you know, I, I don't know why they don't have, you know, they'll bring wrestlers back. I know why Vince don't want to make it about him. And, uh, you know, Vince is great to work for, all that stuff. But if him and Jesse Ventura call the pay per view again, would that would you want to see that or no? It or even a Monday Night it Raw. It would certainly be interesting because I guess they did like a retro one a few years ago where Vince came back down, almost wearing the powder blue suit. Because, oh, that would be you know superstars, right. which they should bring back on Saturday mornings because when they get this Fox deal going, they should bring that back because that's what got us all hooked was superstars wrestling, mm-hmm. where you'd see like. Maybe not Hogan wrestle, because he was, you know, you had to pay to see him. Right, right, right. But, like, all the other guys that you're talking about versus the jobbers, which right, now right. they're enhancement talent. Yeah. But we need more Brooklyn Brawlers and Barry Horowitz right, in today's right, product. Right, right, right. We do. We do. Yeah. Well, we almost had it with um, uh, Kurt Hawkins. Yeah. And then they won the tag titles. Yeah. That was his idea, too. Yeah. He was supposed to go over on someone, and he goes, no, no, no. He goes, let me go talk to Vince. And because uh, that's my whole thing, you know, my losing streak. Right? Yeah. And the big payoff was at WrestleMania, too. You know? Yeah. So. Well, it's kind of like one of those things. Once you win, there's really no story. Exactly. Anymore. Like, exactly. Well, Let's was, keep it going. It was like the thing I saw with like the monster heels where it would be Earthquake, King Kong, Bundy or whatever. They'd do Yokozuna. They'd come in, just dominate everyone. Right. And then like once they lost, the mystique is gone. Exactly. Exactly. And unless you're the Undertaker, all these other guys, you know, just kind of fade away right right and then you go maybe off camera I'll reestablish your character or whatever and go into the next promotion right. and be the monster right what yeah. about what do you think about bray wyatt i know we got to wrap this up this but new, his new character. i think it's gonna be interesting to see how it works i think it will be yeah i think it's something original and it's just a matter of creating the right storyline and feud right. to make it work as opposed to just interesting vignettes which yeah. you've seen vignettes and you know, in recent years, but no, never really any payoff. Right, right. Not quite the great, like, Mr. Perfect vignettes that introduced him, where, you know, they were awesome. <laughs> yeah, those were awesome. I really thought he made those shots and stuff. You mean yeah. he didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I guess, you know, maybe it wasn't one take, you know. Well, <laughs> well, 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 it's still real to me, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyways, that's, you know, what we right, got today. We can talk about so it. Hour, wrap hour, it up, right. because, yeah, we can, you know, I can just mark out for another right. However long, but, you and me both. Yeah. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, and you know, until next time. Yeah, you got like a closing line. Uh, no. If oh, you if, didn't have your go home you line. A, well, if you have a problem with this uh, interview, I'll find you and rip you in half with a gore, gore, gore. Okay, <laughs> okay there we go. That's it. All right. Bye.